Dreamforce. Dreamforce in all its splendor and glory. Wasn't it awesome? <laughs> wasn't it just <laughs> awesome? It was just so awesome. Uh, it was awesome, wasn't it? Was it was awesome. We are so excited. <laughs> you know what wasn't awesome? That I wasn't there and I missed it. I had to watch it remotely. Do you, is there, is there a part of watching it remotely that you like better than being there? No, because at least when I'm there, I can have a drink. You can't drink it when you're watching it at home? <laughs> That's true, huh? <laughs> what do you think I was doing? Well, I was, I was actually trying to work while it was on at the same time, so I try not to drink and work. Yeah, I ended up, I had it running, but I was recording it because um, I was busy during the day, so couldn't yeah. take much time to listen to it live, but recorded it. And, uh, and they also, they've already got some, like they had the, the main keynotes up on YouTube within like a day, I think, so. So I watched some of that. Yeah, and then, then the live stream, they were replaying at least the keynote. You can go to the same site and replay the keynote over and over to your heart's content. So I, I can't decide if the announcements at this year's Dreamforce were, like, huge or if they were just kind of rebranding and paving over of uh, just a bunch of existing stuff. Like, I keep going back and forth. Well, they wanted us to believe it was huge. I mean, they kept saying over and over that, this was the biggest product launch they've ever had, and I'm referring to Salesforce One. But it, it, it was just a rebranding to me of, of their mobile technologies. I mean, yeah, they had some new apps, but it wasn't this new killer feature or product or anything. It was just kind of this thing on top of what they already had. Yeah, I mean, to me, the big thing, and I, I, I the proof's in the pudding with this, but it's like, you know, so Salesforce One, that was the probably the biggest piece of news, right? I mean, it's very mobile driven. And it's this idea that now you can have like the full Salesforce with all of your app exchange apps and everything on your, I guess it's just, is it just mobile? I'm still not even clear on this, but certainly on mobile. And cause that was the one shortcomings of their mobile strategy up to this point is it runs some basic Salesforce stuff, but it doesn't, you know, you had a separate shatter app and, but the Salesforce mobile just, it was just a very, it was a core subset of Salesforce. So you were missing a lot of stuff. Um, and to me, what I'm understanding about Salesforce one is that it's, um, it's all of Salesforce, including, you know, applications and visual force and customizations and things. Is that halfway right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I think what it is, is it's what touch should have been for, in terms of app, mobile applications. Um, and I think touch just never really got any traction and it kind of probably got a bad taste in people's mouth and they decided to rebrand it and give it this Salesforce one nomenclature. But I mean, and even Salesforce One is kind of misleading because it, it, Salesforce One is one app, and I think they have another app that's specific for admin. So it kind of got lost in translation for me. I thought it was all one app, but it's actually two different apps, isn't it? The admin portion versus the um, the actual Salesforce, you know, get into your contacts accounts that are mainly for you know users versus admins. Yeah, it sounds like the Salesforce A is what they call the admin app. Is yeah. Separate, is this a trend? Is this, is this kind of I don't know. One I mean, is letter it be Salesforce, you know, Q. I don't know. <laughs> and are they are they are they tying themselves because now Salesforce A can't mean Apex? Mm. Yeah, I'm. I'm that, really that's going to be sure. Salesforce X, Generation X to the max. But yeah, I mean, I think that was the big announcement. You know, another thing that I latently realized is I think social enterprise is dead. What do you Did say? Did you notice that? that? Well, did you hear anyone mention social enterprise? Well, no, I guess not. Not not those words. Not not like they had previously. I mean, every, previously everything was social enterprise. Everything was chatter, and I definitely 
didn't see a lot about chatter in terms of the keynotes that I was able to see. And when they talked about Salesforce one, they kind of talked about it as this social thing, but you know, it wasn't enterprise social. It was just social. Yeah. So I, I sometimes like to go back and look at like all the previous memes and buzzwords and see what is sticking and what has silently kind of died. Mm-hmm. I think social enterprises. And why is that? Do you think it's a rebranding or do you think, or do you think they're getting away from chatter or that chatter's just become so ingrained in the application that they don't really need to push it anymore? No, the problem was people didn't buy it. I mean, people didn't buy the idea that they're, they're com- I mean, I think a CMO or someone has a hard time going back to the, to the executive team and selling the idea that they're, if just their employees were more social with all their other employees and customers that, you know, that's, that's the, that's the main strategy they need. I think that was a hard sell. Well, I think, I think the other part of it being a hard sale is just the, the liability that it opens up when, when everyone in the company has direct access to the customers and it's, it's an unfiltered access. Well, no one says that everyone has direct access. I mean, a lot of social enterprise was internal social as well. That was the other big part of it. So you may not have direct access to any customers, but that doesn't mean that you don't participate in like all the internal chatter, right? Yeah, that's true. And, you know, and all those things are still there. I mean, I think the tools are still there and they're still useful. It's just as the main message, the overriding message, it fell flat, I think. They tried it for a year. They did tours. They did Dreamforce. They did all kinds of marketing. Do you remember the social enterprise circle thingy with the different logos on it that indicated how your company was supposed to use you know, all these right. different social type yeah. tools to, I don't know, to be a customer company, I guess. So customer, speaking of customer company, that's, that's still around. Yeah, that yeah. was, that was pretty much the, the main theme of the keynote rather than chatter. It was, uh, be a customer company. It was the, <laughs> the <laughs> it, internet it, it of was, customers. It was right? the internet of things that transitioned to the internet of customers. And, uh, that was interesting yeah. hilarious i don't i don't know what to say i mean it, he opened well, it up with his toothbrush and how he loved it, to brush his teeth i'm like okay well see i just think this is another you know uh, another example of mark's arrogance i mean he he co-opts all these terms whether it's cloud or cloud computing or platform as a service now the internet of things has he's co-opted that as the internet of customers um, and it's just this crazy idea like this futuristic, insane idea that every device around you is going to be collecting data about you and sending it off to people, to companies running Salesforce One that can know everything about you and know exactly when to call you to sell you something. This is a little nutty. Yeah, I think from a from a marketing perspective, maybe that's the, a wet dream, but for consumers, it's I don't, I don't want to be tracked by my cell phone. I don't want to have to go somewhere. And, and he kind of used this in his, in his keynote, this big example of, you know, why is, why is it I can't go somewhere and they automatically know I'm there and, and, and send me a thank you note because I'm a loyal customer and this and that. And honestly, I don't want that. I don't want the impersonal touch of my, of getting some automated notification from, from some store when I walk in the door that, that, oh, hey, thanks for coming back. How about having someone there, a person there who will recognize me or or even just have a nice smile and ask me if I need any help with anything, you know, not someone that's doesn't well, look John, like they don't want to be there or, or even something as impersonal as just a, a 
text on my need, phone. You need to use your imagination. What if the, what if you walk in and there's a real person, but they're wearing Google Glass, and as soon as you walk in, your name pops up on their Google Glass, and they say, "Hello, Mister DeSantiago." That's just crazy. See you. That, can I show you that's that? Just as can I show you that pack of um, <laughs> underwear that you wanted? <laughs> <laughs> that is just as impersonal to me because. You know what that is? That that's the it's equivalent fake. to it's fake. It is fake, but it's also the equivalent of, of calling tech support and you get the tier one support guy that just reads off a script and is not helping you at all. You're over here trying to describe your issue and he's trying to sell you a new pair of underwear because you happen to look at some last time you were in or happen to buy a pack. I, I I don't know. I think it's it's a it's another way of turning people into numbers, turning people into this impersonal amount of data um, rather than us being people and, and socializing with each other. Instead, we're trying to do it through these machines. I think, I think the message though does resonate with a lot of people that are at Dreamforce. So Dreamforce has got to be what 60 or 70% sales and marketing types, I would imagine. And like you said, this is their, I mean, an ideal thing, you know, they, that they know everything about someone they're trying to sell to P- creepy levels of information about people they're trying to sell to. And they know exactly what move to make when, and it's just like it's a it's like a hunter with every all the accoutrement he needs, you know, to you know, night vision scope and you know tracking the deer until just the right opportunity. Then, bam, you nail him, you know, because you know everything about him. You've got every tool and advantage on on, on this poor unsuspecting animal, <laughs> and we're the poor unsuspecting animals, just normal people. Yeah, but you know, it's hard to underestimate. It's hard to underestimate Dreamforce in general. Um, oh, I'm I'm I don't I'm not underestimating. Don't get me wrong. I mean, like I said, I think I think that message resonates with most people at Dreamforce, and I think it also resonates with you know the investment community. I mean, anything that anything they can do to help people sell more crap is going to be. I mean, that's what Salesforce is. That's the game they're in. So I I'm that's, not that's definitely the marketing just, part. It, to me, and, just as a consumer, as an as a human, it creeps me out that people are going to be using these tools on me. That every tweet. Every time I to- brush my teeth, what about when I pull a few squares of toilet paper? Are they going to know that? Am I going to get a call from the proctologist that says, hey, Jeremy, you just, you know, you normally only wipe three to four times, but I, I noticed you just wiped five times. Are, are you okay? <laughs> you know, do you, let me write you a prescription for that. <laughs> I don't think we're too far off from that. I mean, I'm sure our, our toilets will have some kind of computer in them that will be analyzing, you know, what comes out of us and giving us feedback on, on how our diet's doing and if we have any issues that we should go see the doctor on. I mean... And whatever happened to the refrigerator that was going to order my milk for me? Do you remember that? <laughs> I, I think I've seen several, you know, houses of the future where they basically kit out this room or house with all this technology that does all this automatic stuff. And but that was that was ten years ago, and it just and, never yeah, materialized. They, they've been doing that since technology has been around since sixties or fifties. You can see those old reels of them, you know, cooking with all these great automated things and. I think they're great concepts, just like a, a concept car is, is really great to look at and see all the cool features, but it's not really something that can re- be built in reality or even has features that are realistic in a real setting. So, so another thing I noticed when I was watching like the first hour or so of the, of the opening keynote was when, the, when they would pan across the audience you know, to these just thousands. So you'd just see like thousands of people in like suits and dresses, and it's just, it's kind of creepy. Like, Everyone's wearing the right uniform. They all 
you know, dress to impress. They all clap at the right time. It's, it, I mean, the, the cult feel of Salesforce was in full effect. I mean, maybe more so than ever. I know it's, it's been like this for many years, but. Well, that, that's definitely by design. I mean, the, that whole area right by the stage is entirely reserved. So they have their, their MVPs go there. That's reserved seating for them. They have all their kind of special guests in those first few rows. So they definitely control who's in that area. And of course, anyone who's an MVP or something like that is going to try and dress up and be oh, that just, this just, this see, this all creeps me out so much. That's just weird, man. Yeah. I mean, th- there are certainly people there who are dressed down, but a lot less than probably should be. I mean, there's, there's probably more people dressed up than, than probably should be. And I think we talked about this before and right before Dreamforce was that, you know, there, there is kind of this feeling that you kind of have to be dressed up to kind of put your best foot forward because you're representing a company. Um, even if you're just kind of the, the developer who's just there to kind of learn and, and gain some new stuff, you're not there to sell, you're not there to, to do anything like that. So, and I figured they have, you know, towards the front, all the people who aren't hung over. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I also think Salesforce isn't trying to encourage that. I, again, I mean, we, I, we talked about this before. The atmosphere there, I mean, you see the people who are there at Salesforce who are who are Salesforce employees and they'll have their Salesforce shirts, they'll have their jeans on, they're directing people where to go or they're meeting people. Um, maybe some of their professional services and and salesmen are still dressed up, at least have a suit and stuff if they're meeting with, with customers there. But everyone else is pretty much dressed down. It's a laid back atmosphere. You, you saw some of the pictures of the huge, huge blow ups and things like that. I mean, beanbag chairs everywhere. So they've got this laid back atmosphere. I just, I don't understand why it's still such a conference where people are just so dressed up and, and, and trying to, you know, I don't know, I guess I, I expected to be a little more laid back because, because they're business people, darn it. They're taking care of business. They're going to get business done. They're going to go home and use these tools and use Salesforce one and implant sensors and products they sell to their customers. So they know everything they do. And you know what? You feel that way. You feel that way when you're at Dreamforce. I know you haven't been, but there's this certain sense of mob mentality when you're there. Everyone is saying the same thing. So so everything gets reinforced over and over. Even if you're not part of the Salesforce machine, you almost feel compelled to be repeating the mantras because, because that's what everyone is talking about. That's what everyone was, is is feeding on. And so you feel like to be a part of all that, you have to kind of go along with it as well. And so you're, you're feeding into the machine. Um, inadvertently or, or even unintentionally. And, and so you just get this entire mob mentality and everything's, everyone thinks everything's great and everything's going along with it. But then the reality sets in of, okay, well, what does this really do? What am I really getting out of this? You know, if we get a new feature or a new development s- system, what are the realities of actually implementing that? What are the limits? There's still quite a bit of real world kind of coming down from, from the hype to deal with after Dreamforce. I mean, I'm just waiting I wonder, I wonder how long it's going to be before someone just stands up in the audience and starts speaking in tongues and just going nuts. Cause there's, you know. <laughs> I don't think we're there. I don't think, it, I don't think that'll happen anytime soon. Well, John, I, uh, so I wanted to play something here. I, I put together like a, a short summary. This is like 30 seconds for, for all of us who couldn't go to Dreamforce this Dreamforce this year. Um, it's, a, it's, I tried to pack as much about Dreamforce into 30 seconds as I could. Wow. I'm excited. Um, yeah, this should be interesting. This is what you missed. And amazing, 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 
amazing, incredible. Isn't that amazing? Incredible. 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 Unbelievable. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Incredible. It's amazing. It's amazing. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Awesome. Phenomenal. 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 Incredible. Awesome. Awesome. Phenomenal. Phenomenally. Awesome. Phenomenal. Incredible. Amazing. Unbelievable. Phenomenal. Incredible. Awesome. Awesome. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Awesome. Awesome. Phenomenal. It's been an amazing keynote. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you. Oh, man, that's hilarious. <laughs> In fact, I would go as far as to say as it is awesome. It is phenomenal. It is incredible. It is amazing. Oh. It is awesome. Awesome, I think, was my favorite word. He kept using that word over and over. And I, did, I, you, I, <laughs> did, did you listen to the Sheryl Sandberg interview? That, or I guess when Mark and Sheryl sat down? You might have to refresh me. I'm not sure. It was, I think, I think it was on the last day, or maybe second to last day. So she was, she's the Facebook. I don't know what is she, the CEO. I don't know what she is. Oh yeah, um, no, I, I missed that one. I didn't get to hear that one. I, I only saw a couple of minutes of it, but it was, uh, it was a f- competition of the who could use the word phenomenal the most. <laughs> Intentionally or no? I mean, no. I mean, no. They don't even realize they're doing it. It's a California I, thing I, again. Man. No, I, I think this comes in back to what I was saying before. Is is there's this mob mentality. And once the ball gets rolling, everyone's saying the same thing. Everyone is using the same words. But we because have they're all trying to be vocabulary. A part of this event. Vo- they have no, no, vocabulary no. of it's, seventh graders. It's this involuntary need to be part of this huge thing. And, and and to be a part of it, you you become it. You you start to mimic it in hopes that it'll it'll invite you in and accept you. It's like it's like you're in high school again and you're the nerdy guy and you want to be part of the cool cool kids. And so you start imitating what they do and you start dressing like they dress and you start talking how they talk and maybe you'll, you'll maybe let them copy your paper or something. So they'll let you, you know, hang out with them. It's that mom mentality. They're trying to, uh, it, you, you, when you want to be part of that huge event and part of that huge message, you, you start to, to kind of sell yourself into it. And, and before you know it, you're, you're parroting everything that everyone else is saying. And that includes awesome. <laughs> I don't know what that has to do with the vocabulary challenges that these people seem to have, but, but I think they're both true. And here's the sad thing about that 30 second clip I put together. That was from the first five minutes of Mark's opening keynote. <laughs> I, I, and think, I, hit thir- I think he was you know, excited. I, I think he was really excited and he thought it was awesome that everyone was there and, and how could he not be? How, how many of the people they ended up having? I think he said over 135 or something like that thousand oh. registered. 135,000 registered is what he said. Yeah, that's a lot. And that was on-site registration, right? That wasn't not that wasn't including kind of online or anything like that. No, that was like total registration. That wasn't and that wasn't the amount that showed up. That was how many people had registered. Right. So he, you know, he opened it with talking about all the charity. So every year okay, every so, year so, they, so they so do something the- about charity. I mean, that was another thing they talked about, right? Yeah, I mean, so he, you know, he spends 30 minutes talking about how, how charitable he is. Um, but one thing was pretty awesome. So they, I guess they're opening, um, he, Mark, I, I think personally donated, you know, like a hundred million dollars or something to open a UCSF children's hospital. So of course it's going to have his name emblazoned on the hospital. So it's going to be the Benioff <laughs> children's hospital. Right. But I guess if I gave a hundred million dollars, I'd want my name all over it too. And I'd probably talk about it to 150,000 people until they were, um, until they couldn't take any more. Absolutely. Uh, but he, he spent very little time on that. I think we, we heard more about 30 minutes. He didn't No, I mean the, the whole charity in, in general was 30 minutes, but he didn't spend that much time talking about the hospital. No. Yeah, no, it was 30 minutes total. Yeah. 
I mean, we, we got um, a little taste of, of the efforts in Haiti and, and all those kind of things. And we got to see, um, uh, what's her name? The supermodel, I guess is, and I don't know Sean is, Penn. Yeah, so. Um, I'm not a big Sean Penn fan. I, I actually don't like the guy personally. I, I, I think it's great. He's out there doing some, some nice things for charity, but I think as a person, he's not the kind of guy I'd like to hang <laughs> he's out like with. The biggest jerk ever. Well, yeah. did you, you, didn't you tell me that he accosted someone in the hotel, like another Dreamforce participant? Yes. And it, yeah. it, so basically he was in, in the hotel bar area and one of the attendees and they know he was an attendee cause he still had his badge, um, snapped a picture and I guess the flash went off and, and Mr. Penn noticed it and went off. He, he went off and he said something to the effect of we're not zoo animals or something along those lines. And he grabbed the guy's phone and threw it on the ground and I'm assuming broke it. Made a huge deal about it, tried to get the guy kicked out and everything. And I think this, the hotel staff was actually sympathetic to the, I'm going to call them the victim in this case, the attendee, because they, I think they asked him if he wanted to press charges or wanted to get the cops called or anything like that. And he, he decided not to. He basically just took his stuff and left. Yeah, Sean Penn is just a big man, baby. That's his problem. And, you know, I the whole Haiti thing for me is a sore subject because the American people got burned by to the tune of billions of dollars by the Clinton Bush Global Fund, which so much of that money never, never even met it to Haiti. It's, it's really sad. Yeah. So Mark was saying that this is, we're in the third great wave of computing um, behind every action. Every act is a customer, the internet of customers. And this, this gets, I mean, and I guess, you know, Mark's a CRM guy. So this is, he's just doing his job, but this just gets back to me to the creepy, hyper-capitalist, you know, unending, unrelenting desire to sell everyone everything and to know every every little thing about everyone who could possibly become a customer. Uh, and I know all the marketing people are like, yes, yes, that's exactly what we want. <laughs> but <laughs> but to normal people, it it's getting to the really creepy, like... Yeah, I think it's getting creepy because I think technology is finally catching up to to the dreams and wishes of marketing. You know, they want to have as much information about the customer as possible. And we want them to have as, as little information as possible because it's, it's our information. It's our, it's our privacy to kind of control, you know, who knows what we're buying and who knows, who knows what we're doing with what, um, you, but marketers, you, know, you just, you, know, you just said a word that I don't think I heard the, throughout the entire dream force. What is that? Privacy. Privacy. Yep. That's true. We that's, didn't hear anything about that's that. That's kryptonite. It's kryptonite to these people. Um, hey, I have a clip I think is related to what we're talking about. Let me let me play this real quick. All right. The third great wave of computing is upon us. An era of hyperconnection. Billions of people and things and devices connecting faster than ever. But behind all the technology, behind every connection, every act, and every device is the single most important element of all. A customer. Oh, I'm glad you and ended every, it there. I couldn't tell you. Everything much more. is a customer. Everything, <laughs> you know, it's, you know, there's no opportunity missed to sell someone something. You know, what's interesting about that ad is, is it's kind of reminiscent of something you would hear. And, and let me clarify it in terms of the music, in terms of the, the way the announcer is and how the music's playing off of what, what you see on the screen. It's kind of reminiscent of, of a, say, a, an Apple video when they're describing their products. However, the difference being that, that in the Apple ad, they're talking about how you use their products and how it's enriching your life and, and letting you do more and, and all those kind of things. This is like 
instead of being targeted towards the consumer and who, you know, the value you get out of using it, this is targeted towards marketers and the value you get out of being able to know everything about your customer. Yeah. How can you scam someone into buying more of your crap? It's how, not, can you, how can you know so much about them that you can manipulate them to buy something that they wouldn't even buy on their own? Right. <laughs> and so it's, it's almost, what's the right word for it? But it's, you know, they, they say customer, but I think they're trying to say something else. Victim. You know, prey. <laughs> prey. I think prey is probably a good word for it. Instead of customer, it's prey. It's it's the it, it it's that that poor little animal out there that you that you want to grab and devour um, for for everything they've got. But I mean, isn't that isn't that natural for a CRM guy to think to look at the in the internet and the world and just see potential customers? Isn't that his job? Isn't he the the seller, the provider of tools that lets people go out and turn the world into their prey. Yeah. And and again, I think, I, th- I think it comes from their perspective on it. I, I don't think it's the right perspective to have on Salesforce and the internet and the customer and the internet of things. I think those are all the wrong perspectives in terms of the value that those things have. I mean, the, some of the videos on the charity and things and where they're talking about how they're able to do so many great things with Salesforce, you know, basically start up a quick site and a way for them to manage and collect donations, all those things, all of those things are great things. I think what they should have done is should have taken what they showed for the charity and expanded that to the customers and show all the things that they can do for their customers that enrich their customers' lives. And when you do that, to me, you're, you're making the, the technology personal and, and you're, you're creating this social experience with an actual person and the company and getting them to want to, to continue to do things with your company because of that. Not this predatory, you know, internet of things. We can track everything that the, that person does and, and we can just, you know, start direct targeting them for marketing. That, that's just so impersonal to me. I think they had the wrong perspective with, with, with all of this campaign they just did in Dreamforce, and I think it should have been flipped around and focused more on actual customers and how, it, how their tools enrich the customers' lives versus how they can collect more data. It's not about the customers, and, and, except as a means to an end. Well, I, I don't really want to be that cynical that, about it's it. It's about though. the I, people that are buying Salesforce licenses, not the people who are buying from them. Yeah, but I mean, even... I mean... Benioff himself, and we talked about this before, when it comes to charity and how he kind of, in that one interview where he was kind of talking about Bill Gates, how he didn't instill a, a culture of charity in Microsoft. I mean, obviously, he can't argue that Bill Gates isn't charitable, but he, yet he still had had the, I'm going to say balls to kind of question him on his on him not setting up that charitable portion of his company. Exact Target has this thing called Journey Builder. So this is goes to our existing our conversation we were having a minute ago and it shows the a customer on a map and the map is basically like these different paths you can take as a customer and they're trying to force you down certain paths on this map to get you to where they want you which of course is buying as much of their crap as possible the example they gave i think was sony or one of the i think it was the ps4 or one of these console companies console games and Spoken they use like a true non-gamer. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> they but they use I guess they use this exact target journey builder to I mean every time you when you win us when you win a certain game or when you log into whatever PS4's online thing is or 
if you express an interest in some other game or, or the new console, you know, that moves you somewhere on their map. And they're doing things to push you along. They know everything about what you're doing, the games you're playing, you know, things you've signed up for on their website. If you're on, what's their, what's Sony's online thing called? Uh, crud. I Anyway, <laughs> but, I, but you know, they, they see all this stuff. Right. And they've got you on their map and they are doing things to push you down certain, certain ways. And it's again, I mean, well, they're trying to make the, the, they're trying to make the achievement system in the games that they've introduced, you know, with the last version of the consoles and being connected. And they're trying to make them something valuable or something that means something. Cause previously there were achievements and all you could basically do is brag that you got that achievement or anyone else can see that you got that achievement. And maybe it created some sense of competition, but for the most part, the achievements meant meant nothing. And I think this is their attempt at trying to make those achievements mean something. By selling you something else? Well, that's that's how they get something out of it. But I think Yeah, I mean that's that's all they care about. I mean, yeah, when you when you're eighty percent done with a game, they know they need to start selling you another game. Right. And so you're gonna start getting emails or little reminders or something. Um they talked about the relationship you know, companies that use Salesforce getting uh, developing a one-to-one relationship with their customers, not a one-to-many. But the thing is, I don't, you know, at, at first blush, that sounds like a good idea. Oh yeah, have a one-on-one relationship with your customer. But that's not what they're talking about. What they're talking about, they're not talking about a, a personal relationship. They're talking about you knowing data on each and every one of your customers. You don't have to run an ad and just hope that people see it and you don't have that data. You have one on you have a one on one relationship with every person out there, and you have data on them, and you can track them, you can hunt them, you can stalk them, you see them on your map, you're pushing them along your map, and when the time's right, you're gonna you're gonna take your shot. That's what one on one means now. So, what other announcements did you find interesting? Well, I did find the HP Superbot Pod Superpod <laughs> to be interesting. And mainly because the HP Superpod. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what you reminded me of? You reminded me of the Al Gore impersonation on, on South on. Park. Superpod. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, you reminded me of the Al Gore impersonation. The uh, just say man bear pig in that voice for me. <laughs> uh, oh, and I can't. I don't know. I can't do this on demand now. So I'm not, that's why I'm not an actor. <laughs> All right, so so Al Gore impersonations aside, um, yeah. So the superpod. So what it is is it's it's basically a self-contained Salesforce cloud that that you. Um, I'm super serial about my lockbox. <laughs> uh, you're not gonna let me get through this, are you? <laughs> you lose. Fine. Yeah. So, anyways, it's it, it's interesting because. Everyone, everyone that that has kind of analyzed the decision a little bit, um, kind of thinks it's a kind of a I don't know the right word to say, but it it kind of it's in conflict with their Oracle relationship since Oracle also is in that space of of hardware and software to manage private clouds. Right. Oh, HP and Oracle. Yeah, right. that was interesting. It is interesting. Hmm. Now, and that, the other interesting thing is that you and I talked about this before, and you had commented that you thought they were that Salesforce was going to move to Postgres, and I think that was something that was out there. Maybe it still is, but earlier this year, I had thought I read, and I, I did actually end up finding it that that Salesforce and Oracle did kind of renew their partnership to continue their services for hardware and middleware and all those kind of things that they're using to support Salesforce. Yeah, I think you're right. So we talked about that 
well, last week or so. I, and I, I did not follow that story to its conclusion. I just remember this was about a year ago when Salesforce announced they were going to start, start uh, migrating to Postgres and they were going to hire 50 Postgres. And they even hired like the main Postgres developer, um, some really smart programmer. And he may still work there. Then they may have him doing other stuff. I don't know, but yeah, I think um, in the in the summer, everyone pretty much knew that that initiative was, uh, I guess, gone had gone by the wayside because they signed this big um, deal with Oracle. And again, this is similar to the HP deal, but let me say this about the Oracle deal. So basically, Salesforce is agreeing to you know not only continue to use Oracle databases, but also to use what Mark Benioff used to call the false cloud, these big, massive Oracle hardware boxes. What they call, now what they, what's the term for them? Engineered, uh, like an engineered solution, something like that. But that's just code word for big ass servers. Um, just massive, just blocks of servers you can, I mean, so Oracle could probably deliver you just in a big, probably three or four to a shipping container. You know, your net, your NA17, your NA18, and your EU4, you know, just, each of them just a big, a big, huge box of computing. At the same time, though, see, there's, a, there's these deals are always reciprocal, and it's not just about money. Um, Oracle agreed to integrate Salesforce with its uh, HCM and one of its other um, big enterprise packages, which I don't understand how this is going to work. I don't know what they. I don't know if they if that meant um, just internally at Oracle for what they use or like as an offering that their customers will use because Oracle has Oracle has their own CRM product. But anyway, there's a, you know, these things, like I said, they're always reciprocal and the deal with HP. I think they kind of had to do that deal. I think HP, I think Meg Whitman, who is a pretty sharp cat, right? Called Benioff and said, Hey, we're one of your biggest customers. You know, they, what do they have? A hundred thousand licenses, probably something like that. 50,000 licenses. We're one of your biggest customers. We've been with you for a long time. I want a payback. I want you to do a deal with me. I want you to let your customers run Salesforce on our hardware. Tell me that didn't happen. I think it's an interesting theory. Because it's not even multi-tenant. It's and that's the joke of it, is you know, Mark tried to try to sell this as oh, it's 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 not going back to single tenant. Yes, it is. It's single tenant. Yeah. But um, I think I think we we can agree that the real really the only people that are gonna use it are people who have to have their own instance either for some kind of uh, regulation reason, say say they're in another country and the data has to be hosted there and they need more control over that. Or, you know, there there are Salesforce customers out there who have way too much data and, and just cannot live on a multi-tenant atmosphere. They have to have their own system, their own resources in order for the system to actually work with their amount of data. Yeah, I think so. And there's companies that have um, like HIPAA data or just any personally uh, PII, what's it? Personal identifying information. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And if you're, what are the certifications um, the regulations around that? It's not socks. It's some, I don't know some of the other ones, but um, yeah, a lot of companies just for either perceived or in, in reality, they can't put that in the information in a shared cloud system. Right. Now, if it's a dedicated cloud system, they, that probably, um, that probably brings a lot more potential customers into the fold. Uh, yeah, so I think I think the notion of the superpod is is something that they naturally had to do. I think what what makes it interesting is the fact that they went with HP hardware and not Oracle hardware. Well, again, I, I think this is just because they that's what they had to do. I think I think Oracle's done, or I think HP's done Salesforce some big favors. They've 
they've participated in previous stream forces. They've been a huge customer and it's just, you know, I mean, every big CEO that comes up there, it's all, it's all paybacks and favors and corporate CEO to CEO deals and board to board deals. Every, every company that gets the, every big company that gets featured in Dreamforce, that's exactly what it is. Well, maybe, I don't know if we're going to go with theories. I mean, we can, we can keep going with conspiracy theories and say that maybe the next few years, Oracle's going to be completely out of the picture and they didn't want to add that another, another dependency into their environment. I mean, I don't think it's a conspiracy theory. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It's just how business gets done. But I can't imagine Oracle being out in a year, though. I don't. Well, it depends. I mean, how, I how well are they the, doing with their Postgres transition? If that is dead. still happening. It's dead. Yes. They, I think, especially after what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, how Salesforce, I mean, they've just so much of their process and their technology is wrapped so tightly around Oracle's axle that there's no way. They they couldn't get rid of Oracle, so what what are they doing? They're doubling down on their partnership. Yeah, hey, I can't get rid of you, so let's make this better. Can't live with them. Can't live without them. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move on to the next big topic then, because I, I really want to get okay. to the hackathon. Okay. So, what did you think? I mean, we had we obviously have a, a, a winner of the million dollar. I think for the run, I guess I'm gonna call them runner up prizes, but the second, third, fourth, and I mean, I think maybe there's a fifth. Um, I think they, I think they upped the reward prize to where it was per person. I think, I think my assumption was that it was say for third place, $10,000, but it, it actually ended up being 10,000 per person on your team. Is that right? Do you remember that? No, I don't know. Well, I'll have to look that up and, and get back to one, I think, cause I think that's what it was. But so I think they were pretty generous with the rewards in terms of those that won, but the the one million dollar winner, I think you had found that there was some controversy around that that I actually hadn't heard about. So I'm curious about that. You didn't hear anything about the controversy because it was. I don't remember. I don't know what all the details are. One of them was that so the 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 two guys that won. Um, one of them worked at first of all, I worked at Salesforce for like nine years until until last year, and I don't know. That's I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. That's necessarily against the rules or not. Um, it just you know. That kind of thing, the it's it's bad optics. It's the appearance of impropriety that that. But what what did bad. he do at Salesforce? Do you know? Was he just? I don't know. I, I, he was some kind of engineer of some sort. I don't know if he was. I don't know if it was on the customer side or the internal side or not. Mm. Um, and the other big thing was um, apparently. So the the rules were this. This had to be you know a from scratch app built on site over the course of Dreamforce, and people dug up references to meetup or like meetups or hackathons from I think around six months ago mm-hmm. where they demoed basically this app. Wow. An earlier rendition of it. There was other stuff too. Um there were other participants who, you know, had analytics turned on their app and that they know, I guess they believe for a fact that uh, the judges never even looked at their apps. So there was there's a lot of there was a lot of information pointing to the idea that the finalists were just predetermined. Interesting. So I don't. Know, I didn't dig into all of it, but there were um, seemed to be a lot of there was a lot of smoke there. Well, but, I mean, like, what, what are we talking about? What were we talking about before Dreamforce, Salesforce? This this needed to be they. The reason they put a million dollars behind this is because they needed a. They want a big story, and they wanted to. I mean, obviously they get to hand select the app that wins, and they don't. I mean, yes, they had some some vague criteria, but. They can essentially, I mean, everyone that was on the panel, well, I don't know this for sure, actually. Were, were they all Salesforce employees on the panel? 
I think there might have been one or two outsiders. But anyway, you know, essentially Salesforce can pick whatever app they want so they can craft the story and get the story they want out of this. Yeah, but I mean, if, you were, if your app wasn't a part of the plan, then, you know, it doesn't surprise me that you wouldn't even get a single hit on your analytics from, from any of the judges. Maybe, but I mean, even all that aside, I mean, we, we talked about, you know, what does the $1 million app look like? And I'm not so sure this looks like a million dollar app. I mean, it's it's a mobile well, service that lets three, you create It's a reports. three day. If you believe they built it at Dreamforce, I mean, it's a three or four day app. I mean, it's not going to look like a million dollars. It's right. I mean, it's not that it's worth a million dollars. It's just that it was the best one. So the prize was a million bucks. Right. Yeah. But I mean, I guess if, if we want to hear a story about something that came out that was really creative and, and really awesome, I mean, they basically they, they took a query engine and... and voice enabled it didn't they i mean you basically can can use voice to text on it and it'll craft a report for you based on on whatever your voice was whatever your i think so i know there was some was. voice component like i said I, d- I just did not follow that hackathon the news really at all other than just after it was announced that's when you started seeing you know posts on hacker news and even on like news tech news sites popping up about um about the questions around this yeah I guess maybe I was looking for something that would kind of just, I would look at and go, wow, that was a really great idea. They deserve to win it. I, I guess I was looking for something more creative, more more innovative, but I don't know what I was looking for. So it, it could have been anything and I might have felt the same way. Um, it could have been the next Salesforce and I, I would have probably felt the same way. So maybe my expectations were too high of, of what that what that application would look like. Yeah, I don't, like I said, I, I don't, I don't really care about it that much. I mean... Because you didn't, I, I had I had no you confidence lose. that <laughs> exactly. Where's my where's my sound effect? You lose. <laughs> you get nothing. <laughs> That's what they would have said to me if I participated. <clears throat> Wouldn't that have been awesome? That would be pretty cool. That'd be pretty embarrassing. If I was going to lose, that's how I'd want to lose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I you know, I didn't have any expectations. It was going this was going to be some uh, super fair. I mean, it's just. Salesforce has too much interest in getting what they want out of it. So that don't, I mean, I don't think they really could have done much to surprise me. You're a hard um, person. To play. So speaking of, speaking of hacker news though, they, I was, I was kind of, you know, once a day or so I, I would search through hacker news to see if anything was hitting the radar of normal developers. And I, this is, I think one thing that you and I were disagreeing on was, you know, sales, the, the developer world of Salesforce is a little, it's a, it's its own little island where like things are different. Like people speak a different language and wear different clothes and there's a different set of norms and it's a different culture. Um, it's a culture where developers walk around at a conference wearing a suit. Um, <laughs> uh, so, but, you know, I thought, well, you know, this would be interesting to see what the normal world of developers is, has to say about Dreamforce. Because um, I've, I've got enough of a foot in the Salesforce pond that I, I think sometimes I lose perspective. But there was virtually nothing on Hacker News. Like none of the news out of Dreamforce, even the developer-related stuff, was of any interest to the general world. Um, there was a couple of comments about Heroku One. Of course, now everything's going to be something one. right? Um, yeah, and I don't even know what that means. It, it's just another rebranding again this this was a dream force about rebranding everything it, it i didn't see anything new but, anything really compelling it was just a rebranding of current services and those are those are always a letdown to me um i think there was new stuff here but you know, salesforce is going to rebrand at least every year they always do 
they're just, I mean, Salesforce is, that's their game. They're, they're all about branding and marketing and parting and making people feel good. Um, that's what they're, that's what they're good at. But yeah, it was just, it was interesting that there was, there was just no announcement that was really of, of that much interest to the outside world. Um, I was also disappointed that they didn't, they didn't stream the developer con- keynote. Well, they only had one stream and there was a lot of stuff going on simultaneously. So I guess they had to pick. I mean, I would have, I think you and I both would prefer to see the developer keynote instead of the whatever was there, the analytic cloud keynote or whatever they. <laughs> it was a service cloud, place. I think, that had the same time slot. But but why not? Why not have multiple streams? I mean, I, I, it's just, I, it's I just don't a, think well, there was anything compelling for them to actually talk about other than probably talk about all the numbers again from how the app exchange is doing and how the margins are and all those kind of things. And uh, the, the command line interface was probably the only other thing I heard about. And that was kind of a bit of a yawn to me I, I, that I, I just, I didn't hear anything that was really new or compelling in terms of de- the development tools. But John, what about 10 times as many APIs? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. They did talk about APIs everywhere. And you know what that means? Ten times everywhere. <laughs> but you know what that means? Absolutely what? nothing. The API existing is great because it gives us something to to talk to and to latch on to, but we still have to make that connection. We still have to code that. It, it doesn't it doesn't mean anything in and of itself. I kind of felt the same way. Like, I mean, to me, that's just more. I mean, maybe if it's more, I haven't even looked at these 10, 10 times more APIs. You know, you know why um, but, it bothers me is because the average attendee who sees that thinks, oh, an API, I can just somehow magically connect to it and I have access to that data. Well, that's because Salesforce over the past 10 years has programmed all these people, like in the non, non-techie people even, that API equal good, API good, right? Right. And and. APIs are good. I don't get me wrong. You know that maybe these are more things that you can connect to. I I don't or may, more ways you can connect into Salesforce. But you know my issues more are more fundamental about the platform. The issues with the Apex language. I mean, it's just it's such an it's based on such old crusty technology, and it's just hard to build things in a right way. It's hard to build large things, medium to large things, in a way that doesn't suck. In fact, it's impossible to. Yeah, mainly because of the limits, and maybe, maybe no, no. I'm not talking. I'm not even talking about the runtime limits, like the governor limits. I'm talking about just lack of infrastructure and language features. I mean, really limited, you know, things on. Pa- you know, my big thing is packages and namespaces, whatever. Um, you know, just all of your classes, interfaces, everything in in one, basically in one directory. So you end up with an app that has thousands of, and you know, just it's it gets to be a mess. You can't organize anything. You can't have everything's coupled to everything. So all your code, you know, just principles of like code quality and object oriented design and all that stuff just goes totally out the window. And that's just not the way to build. I mean, yeah, if you're doing just quick and dirty stuff, a visual force page here and there for your, for your company's sales department, that's fine. But if you're an ISV or if you're, if you work for one of these large companies that's doing Salesforce, it's not, it's not fine. Right. It's not good. And I I think that I think I was on the same page with you when I, when I mentioned limitations, because I, when I, when I think of limitations, I think, you know, not only the governor limits, but I also think about the additional complexity that gets added into the system when you connect to these other systems, even through an API, 
there, there's a certain level of abstraction that you have to kind of code into. There's a certain level of isolation between the two environments and trying to get the data to communicate that that when it, while your code is kind of in the same namespace and in the same spot and you can't really, the tools don't let you organize your code in, in the right way, it gets really ugly. And then if you have multiple people coming in there trying to connect to multiple APIs at different points in time without any kind of coherence to it, you're going to step over each other quite a bit and it's, development's going to get really ugly. Yeah. And not only that, if these APIs are are written specifically for the Salesforce environment, great. But chances are they're not. Chances are we're going to run into size limitations of the messages going back. Chances are we're going to have some kind of limit on execution time or, or things like that because you know their query is real time versus some kind of queued mechanism and all that kind of stuff. So there's still a lot to consider and think about there when it turn, in terms of API. The, the presence of them does not excite me. What excites me is, is having a clear direction of how they're going to communicate and how Salesforce is going to enable you to, to do this in, in a elegant way. So yeah, I agree. And it, again, I've, I'd have to look into it more, but just because they're throwing more APIs at us doesn't mean that's necessarily a good thing. Um, I did look at just real briefly, looked at Heroku one though, and it looks kind of interesting. So it almost looks a little bit like what I wanted VMforce to be. Um, it looks like you'll have like a mirror of your Salesforce data in a Postgres database on the Heroku side. And so you can build an app that runs on Heroku. So you can build it in Java because Heroku now you can run Java apps, of course, Ruby apps. That was what it, Heroku was originally mm-hmm. in Rails and um, Ruby and Rails. I think Python they support now as well. But you can write all, you can do, write all your applications in what one of these languages and have it basically just be um, connecting to the, your local Postgres database, but that is synced in real time over to your Salesforce database. Now, I don't know how well they've solved the problems of that syncing and transactions across. Cause I, I think, I don't even think Heroku is hosted in the same city as Salesforce. As the Salesforce data centers are. I, I think they're completely, well, actually Heroku is all, um, all EC2. It's right. all Amazon, AWS. Yep. Um, so there's definitely going to be, that'll be interesting to see how they've solved that shuttling this data back and forth in some kind of inexpensive and um, highly performant way. In fact, the more I talk about that, the more that concerns me because <laughs> I'm not sure how they would have done that. <laughs> well, it is interesting, but doesn't doesn't that kind of paint a bigger picture, a bigger problem though? I mean, the, the fact that the only way to really get it to work is to replicate the entire data set over into Heroku's environment, and that you can't connect directly to have a high performance application. That says a lot. Why would you well, Why would just, you want to mirror your database and not connect directly to it? Performance. It's it's along the lines of and only you know, that like, it's not it's not a one package. It's not like you get Heroku free with your Salesforce Enterprise or Unlimited or what are they calling Unlimited now? Performance Edition or something like that. <laughs> we never talked about did that. They, did that, they get, that did they get sued for away, calling it Unlimited? That did, we never talked about that. That Unlimited went away. That it became this um, performance edition. I think their general counsel knocked on Mark's door and was like, uh, Mark, yeah, we can't really call this Unlimited because it's <laughs> not Unlimited. That that was my thought exactly. Because it was it was it was always hard to say, uh, yeah, you're on a limited edition, but you still have limits. You still can't do this, or you still can't do that. It's it's not unlimited. I think the fact that they have to replicate that data, yes, it's for performance reasons, but it sucks that they have to do that because they they always had a direct library that would connect to Salesforce from Heroku. They had that pre built already. 
But well, it maybe just, they still do. No, I, mean, they, maybe I that, know they still do. What I'm saying is, obviously, it was a performance issue that trying to write your application and then connect through the normal channels, through the API to get to your data just wasn't working. Well, and so if they're connecting through like something like the SOAP interface, that, so those transactions, so when you, when you use the SOAP interface to, for just CRUD operations, um, it, there, everything is in an immediate, in an immediate transaction. So let's say you, you create an account, um, in a, in a create call that happens in a transaction. As soon as it's done, the transaction's closed and committed. Um, what happens if you want to create an account and a contact and an activity all in one transaction through the SOAP API? So that so let's say you create the account and then you create the contact and when you go to create the activity, something fails and you'd want it to roll everything back so that you have a, a, known, a known safe state, right? And you're using the SOAP API. How do you do that? You don't, right? Because it's not possible. <laughs> you can't do it. And so... Want, this is this is what I'm talking about when with this syncing from Postgres to Salesforce. Are they do they have some kind of transactions going on that us mortals going through the normal APIs don't have? Well, they've probably they've probably created some kind of replication between the two actual databases, not through the through the API layers. Yeah, and is it or is it some kind of like eventual consistency model like so many of these NoSQL um, data stores are? Or like, hey, we're not going to guarantee that your Salesforce database and your Postgres database are perfectly in sync at all times, but eventually they will be. Yeah, that that would be interesting to, to find out. But I, I would say that for that type of mirroring, that it's probably a direct connection between the actual databases and not going through the security layers. Which which opens up another question, because if you're accessing the Postgres database of your data, is that assuming that, that it's access to all data? You're not, you're not going through the API, so you don't have the actual security layer. Yeah, maybe it's just all full access. That's interesting. I don't know. I will, you know what? We should actually read the effing manual. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bitch and moan, and we know nothing about it. Yeah. I think we it's, lose on that one, don't we? Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> um, we're going to read it. We're going to find out that it's all been solved, and it's all elegant. We're going to go, crap, egg on our face. So Vivek Kundra had a, gave some keynote, one of the, one of the lower rung keynotes. And you know how I just love Vivek Kundra, right? So he was the he was Obama's original CIO, and he's a total fraud. Um, oh, he basically, I thought he was the guy you had basically a got fresh on. Basically, got fired after a couple of, after a year or two, and then Salesforce hired him up because Salesforce has this revolving door of government officials, former government officials, um, journalists, analysts. Anyway, um, I once want I wanted to play just a, a little piece of this quick clip and then but I think maybe next week I'll prepare more and we'll we'll talk more about his stuff but let me see if I can play this at salesforce.com what we've done is we've rebuilt our entire architecture from the bottom up to make sure that you can fundamentally transform the way you sell the way you service the way you market did you notice anything there anything sound familiar about that uh, he has an interesting voice. On <laughs> now, don't you remember? Don't you remember? Um, uh, Obama got so much criticism or whatever by the by all the right wingers for saying that he was going to fundamentally transform the company and they they just or the country and they just keep you know they still to this day keep replaying that Obama saying he's going to fundamentally transform the country. We are five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. 
I just thought it was interesting that Vivek Kunder is uh, borrowing some of the terminology from his old boss. Well, that may be, but I have I have quite a bit of problem with, with that train of thought. This we rebuilt it from the ground up fundamentally. All these really big buzzwords that, that make it sound like they did something incredible, but what did they really do? Why why this this vague description of this great thing that they did with no specifics? Oh, I don't know. Like I said, well, first of all, it's a Vivek Kundra, right? And here's how I feel about him. He's a jackass. <laughs> We don't use that clip enough. I know. <laughs> um, yeah, he he's and I've I got to pull up some clips of him for like the past several years because oh, he's there's some gems out there. But it's know. it's just instant propaganda. Whenever you start something off with, we fundamentally transform something, and you say nothing else about it. Yeah. Well, listen, listen to his whole, listen to his keynote before you say up, that. Fundamentally transform the entire system, and yet it works and acts the same way. John, listen, listen to his keynote before you say that. Maybe he does explain it. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I'll have to listen to it. The system has not changed. I'm sorry. It's got a fresh coat of paint on it, man. It does not have a fresh coat of paint. You're talking the UI. It's old. Salesforce One. That's just the mobile. Ten thousand APIs. <laughs> Pull me out of my <laughs> my mode. Okay, so we're 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 almost at an hour here. Do we have any? What are the, what are the other any big points we want to hit? What else was exciting? I do want to come back. I know you. I don't know if you agreed with this, but I do want to dig into some more stuff over the next few weeks and go into and go into detail on some of the some of the news and some of the new features and almost you know let's actually um, <laughs> let's actually do some homework. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it was a week of just this fire hose mode of, of all this marketing and this campaigning, and it's going to take time to kind of filter through it and understand exactly what all of that means. You know, I downloaded the Salesforce One app. I've been playing with it. I'm not entirely impressed with it. I'm not sure if I'm what I'm supposed to expect from it uh, in terms of this being this new product and it being as huge as they, they made it out to be. So I'd like to spend some more time with it and make sure that I give it a fair shot. But it's not too far off from what Salesforce Touch was, aside from it having a little more capability with Visual Force. So I'm only interested in using Salesforce through my browser. So how do I use Salesforce One? I don't think you do. It's entirely a mobile technology, I think, at least at this point. You lose! <laughs> you lose. No Salesforce One for me. So what'd you bring to drink? Oh, hang on. Let me get, I, I, don't, I forgot the name. Forgot the name of your drink. Is it that good? Okay. So it's uh so I wanted to get start getting into cognac a little bit. Mm -hmm. Never really had any good ones. So I I bought just like I guess the cheap Corvassier like a few months ago and finished that bottle. And so I bought something a little bit better and I was doing some reading and it turns out that like the good so there's these different classifications of of um cognacs. There's VS, which I guess is the lower end. There's VSOP, which I suppose is a little bit higher end. Um, and then XO, which is like this higher end. And let's see if I can do some Googling during a podcast here. Um, XO means extra old. So it's a blend in which the youngest brandy stored for at least six years, but up to 20 anyway. It sounds like, though, that as with most things, like the higher end brands, like their VS may be better than a crummier brand's XO. So it's not like you can just 
go buy an XO and be assumed or be guaranteed that you're getting like a good product. But anyway, in fact, this one is just a VSOP, but it was quite a bit pricier. I think it was maybe 40 or 50 bucks for a, for a 750. Um, but it's Leopold Raffin. I, don't, I have no idea how to say this. R-A-F-F-I-N. It's a VSOP cognac and it is really smooth, dude. It's, it's good. Interesting. Yeah. The, that cheap Corvassier I had mm-hmm. you, I mean, I would drink it, um, straight, but I would, I'd usually ha- would have to do it on the rocks or something. Cause it was, it was just, it was a little bit too, uh, too edgy. This one is really smooth. I just put a little bit of water in it. Not much at all. Just a little splash and it's smooth and it's tasty. I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's very kind of fruity. I get a lot of like green apple and cognac for some reason. But yeah, and then uh, earlier with dinner, we had, um, what we? oh, we just had pizza, but I pulled out a decent <laughs> bottle of wine, Pepper Bridge, Cabernet. They're from the, I think it's a Columbia Valley, so Washington State. It's so a cab. delivery pizza with wine? Yeah, it's good wine, too. This, you know, it's like a $40 wine. But uh, yeah, Pepper Bridge is good, man. Everything they do is good. They, I've had their Merlot, their Cab, but I've had these bottles for four or five years. Actually, we're kind of approaching their the second half of their drinking window. And that always makes me a little nervous. So I start right. drinking them. That's what I've had tonight. What about you? So I'm gonna start off with a question. Do you know what a whiskey sour is? Yeah, that's, I mean, I don't know exactly what's in it. Whiskey. Is it sweet? What? I don't know what makes it sour. Is it sweet and sour? Is it lemons or limes or something? I'm not sure, but I've, so yeah, so I'm, I'm preparing my drink for tonight and Jody, Jody, my wife decides that she wants to, try something. So she hands me her iPad and it's got a recipe on it and it's called a whiskey sour. I'm like, all right, I I got everything to make this. And so I start making it and it's, it's, I start to realize this is basically a spiked lemonade because it's, it's, you know, some fresh lemon juice, sugar, Mm -hmm. a little bit of water and uh, bourbon. You didn't do the egg white? I didn't do the egg white. No, I didn't do that. Um, but it, it wasn't sweet enough for her. So I ended up drinking some of it. I actually have some of it waiting for me still, but, um, that wasn't my actual drink for tonight, but I thought that was interesting. I'm sitting here making it going, this is pretty much. Was it, did you like it? I, I did. Um, I liked it the way I made it, which means, which means it wasn't too sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, she was expecting something a lot sweeter, but I, I liked it. It definitely had that. It lived up to the name in terms of it being that, that sour it kind of has that sour and then you kind of get a little bit of that bourbon afterwards and it was really good. So I actually like it. I'll probably make that again. What I actually made tonight and it's actually pretty good. It's the first time I've had it. It's called a maple bourbon smash. You ever hear that? Yeah. That's the one I told you to make. Is it? Yeah. Ah, so that's where I got the recipe. It's good, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> uh, it is. It is. So it, it, I got the recipe and it's a uh, maple syrup, um, orange juice, lemon juice, bitters um the recipe calls to mash in a, an orange wheel in it i kind of did a little bit but then i took it out <laughs> um and then you know some bourbon and a little bit of seltzer so now did you use a good maple syrup i did like, i used the grade okay. a dark amber that they suggested yeah. so i went out and got some of that it's it's organic or whatever crap yeah. it is but it, it came out really drink. well and um yeah. the orange juice really made it I i wasn't really expecting to like the orange juice in it um, it, it's of course, you know, freshly squeezed orange juice. Just as long as those grapefruits are freshly squeezed. But I, I actually really liked it. It's really good. And I, I'll definitely make that again. All right. Anything else? That is all into that. Let's wrap it up. Good day, sir.
Good day, sir.